0: Amen. So last week, we had our second message in the book of Acts, and we we talked about the pouring out of God's Spirit, the promise of the Holy Spirit. And at the day of Pentecost, there were Jews gathered together, about 120 of them, and they were praying. They were watching and waiting. They were praying. Waiting for God to fulfill his promise that God had said he would do through the prophets, through the mouth of John the Baptist, through the mouth of Jesus himself. He said, wait in Jerusalem until you're powered by the Holy Spirit and you will be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And something really crazy happened. They started speaking in tongues. They they there were there was this loud noise, this mighty rushing wind, kind of like a tornado, like a freight train, like the sound of this mighty rushing wind came through. And then there were these tongues of like fire that were over the heads of the, the disciples, and they started speaking in tongues. And the people who were visiting from from different places at Jerusalem at that time who spoke different languages heard the christians speaking the praises of god the speaking about the mighty works of god in their heart tongue language even though these christians hadn't learned that language some thought they were drunk they were they thought they were drunk babblers and peter gets up filled with the Holy Spirit, and he explains to them what was going on. These these folks aren't drunk. This is the promise of what Joel talked about, that in the last days I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Well, Peter preaches this powerful sermon, and we have this snapshot, this, this snippet of that sermon, because it says, with many other words he exhorted them, And so the speeches in the book of Acts aren't always exhaustive of what Peter or Paul said, but they're just a a snippet, a summary of what they preached. And so Peter preaches this powerful sermon, and 3,000 people get saved. 3,000 Jews were cut to the heart. They realized Peter was like, your sin, it's, it's you who crucified the Son of God. He confronted them. And as I said last week, that that applies to us as well because it's our sin that brought Jesus to the cross. It was for our sin, the sin of the entire world, that Jesus hung upon that cross for us. He took the death penalty for us. He was crucified, buried, raised from the dead and he ascended back to the Father. So Peter preaches that good news to these Jewish people and he calls them to repent. Well, first they were like, what do we do? Because they were cut at heart, they were convicted, they realized that they were guilty, just like we all are, of the murder of the Son of God. And they, they were cut at heart, they repented, and they were baptized, and they received the Holy Spirit. So the church went from 120 to 3,000 plus people at once. I can imagine what kind of pressure the leadership must have felt at that day. Like, hey guys, we need to get some programs started here. We need a, we need a building plan here. We need to figure out where are we going to meet with all these people? How are we going to disciple all these new babes in Christ? How are we going to help them become devoted followers. And so in the book of Acts at the at the end of that, that that section Luke gives us a snapshot of what that devotion looked like in Acts chapter 2 verse 42. And these are marks of a healthy church. That's the title of my message today. I believe that that it, the early church was a healthy church that there was there was life there was there was spiritual fervency there was power there was love there was gospel centeredness a healthy church we see characteristics of a healthy church and I've identified 5 of them there's a lot of overlap here within this text of of some marks that we could distinguish but these are ones that that here at City Church we want to model and as a matter of fact as I was going through this text I realized that all 7 of our values here at City Church are within this little section of scripture and and i'll mention those at the very end but for, for now let's read and they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and to the prayers and all came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles and all who believed were together and had all things in common Amen. So here's the big idea. This is where we're going from the text. God desires His church to be healthy and to flourish. The early church modeled that spiritual health and the result was growth. Healthy things grow. There was growth. They were growing in the relationship with the Lord and then more people were coming to the Lord. They were, they were, uh, th- these Christians were living lives that were attractive, not repelling to, uh, outsiders, but attractive outsiders saw the lives of these believers. And they were asking questions like, why do you have such hope? Why do you have such joy? And so on, we want to be a healthy church. When we started city church Garland, before we started city church Garland, we had, um, we had several meetings on Sunday nights, uh, as we prepared for our launch. And one of the books we went through was, uh, marks of a healthy church uh, which, by the way, we have some free copies to give away today if you haven't read that. Uh, we went through Marks of a Healthy Church, and we explored what does a healthy church look like? Because there's a lot of churches gathered together on Sunday mornings right now that are gathered together, and there's a lot of them, many of them are not healthy. Many of them are not doing what the Bible says to do or, or reflecting fruit that the Bible calls his people uh, to reflect. And the book of Acts get, gives us a snapshot of that. And again, as I said last week, when, when we're reading through the book of Acts, we need to ask ourselves, is this descriptive or is this prescriptive? Is this just telling the story or are there prescriptions here for our instruction to apply to our lives? And, and what, one of the things you'll see is that many of these things are prescriptive in the epistles, Like prayer, Paul says, devote yourselves to prayer. The early church was devoted to prayer. And so on. Like last week, Paul, I've emphasized how Paul commanded the Ephesian church to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So while we see the description of the narrative in the book of Acts of God pouring out his spirit, Paul in Ephesians says, Christians, you be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's a command from God. So we can't just read that and be like, well, I don't really need the Holy Spirit so much. I don't need to have all that, that power and that, the life of the Spirit in me. But the scripture tells us be filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen? Okay. So the first mark is simply this, is that they were a learning church. They devoted themselves to the apostles teaching. Okay. This, remember, this was a group of people who had been baptized in the Holy Spirit. They were, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And you know what the Holy Spirit led them to do? Not to throw learning out because they don't need learning now that they have the Holy Spirit. No, the Holy Spirit led them to be devoted to the apostles teaching. The Holy Spirit doesn't lead us to not be thinkers. Okay, the Holy Spirit leads us into the truth, Jesus said. He'll guide you and he'll lead you into the truth. So this church was devoted. And in our day, we have many people who are devoted to sports, either playing sports or watching sports. Um, Isn't there something going on next Sunday? (laughs) Sunday night? Oh, the the Super Bowl, right? Yeah, that's right. Tom Brady, right? Like... um, the Patriots and uh, uh, the Rams, right? Much of the world is going to have their eyes on a TV screen watching these strong men throw around a ball and try to get it into an end zone, all right? And they're going to go crazy over it. They're going to spend lots of money over this party, and they're going to celebrate. They're devoted to sports, right? Uh, and, of course, that can easily become an idol and is. Um, entertainment. In our culture, there is more devotion to entertainment than there is to the studying of Scripture. It's just true. I mean, people are just just filling their time with Netflix, with movies, with TV shows, with media. We're, we're spending our lives in front of a screen watching other people live their lives while we're just withering away. Just, just wishing we, we could have more excitement and adventure and we, we live through their adventure on this TV screen, right? And so on. And so what are we devoted to? The early church was devoted to the apostles teaching. They spent their time in the word of God. You know, when I was a, when I became a Christian or before I became a Christian, I didn't value education. I didn't like to read. Actually, my reading comprehension level was very low when I became a Christian. I had failed grades in junior high and high school, and I just didn't value it. I wasn't brought up uh, in an atmosphere of, of valuing truth and wisdom and knowledge and understanding. I wasn't trained up to do that. Kids, many of you have parents who are training you to value knowledge, wisdom, truth, and, and especially the word of God. And so that's a blessing. Don't, don't take that for granted, young people. But when I became a Christian, after I got saved, I started reading more than I ever did. I mean, I started reading the Bible every single day. I started devouring the Bible. And I love reading good books. And I love reading scripture. I, I, I enjoy learning now. Because there's so much about God that I want to grasp and I want to understand. There's so much about his kingdom and his ways and his plans and his glory that I want to study. I was looking at Psalm 111 this morning where it says, Great are the works of the Lord, studied by all who delight in them. God's works are great. And they're studied by those who delight, who take delight in his works. All right. So this early church, the, the early Christians found something better than football, better than, than sports, better than entertainment, better than anything this world has to offer. And so they gave themselves to it. They wanted to be learners. Now this was a part of the Jewish culture. Jewish people were were, were often They seekers of wisdom and understanding, right? They would study in the Old Testament. There was a call to the people of God to meditate on the law, to study it, to read it, to know it. All right. And so these early Christians were like that. They were in Jerusalem. They were Jewish Christians. And so they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching. I'm going to jump into application here while I'm talking about this. Do you have a Bible reading plan? Do you have a time set aside every day that you are in the Bible? And it's not, are you a snacker on the word of God or are you a feaster? Do you just snack a little verse here and a little verse here, a little devotion here and there? Or are you just getting into the word of God and digesting it, taking it in? Can you say like the prophet Jeremiah who said in Jeremiah 15, 16, he said, your words were found by me. And I ate them, and your word became to me the joy and the rejoicing of my heart. Do you treat God's word like that? Are you devoted and, and desire and delight in God's word so much so that you're just you're feasting on it? You're listening to it as you drive to work or as you're doing things throughout the day. You're listening to the podcast because you're hungry for the word of God to come in inside of you and feed you spiritually. We need that, amen? So they were devoted to that, to the apostles teaching. The apostles teaching, uh, there's snapshots of the apostles teaching in, in Acts. So Peter preaches some sermons, Paul has some sermons as well, and so we get some snapshots of what the apostles were teaching. We also have the New Testament epistles. First Peter, Second Peter, First, Second, Third John, all the epistles of the apostle Paul and we have more of the apostles teaching there the new testament right and the the apostles taught what jesus taught jesus commanded them to go make disciples teaching them to obey everything that i've commanded you baptizing them in the name of the father and the son so they emphasized the teachings of christ and they expounded on those things and they they pauls particularly uh helped make some things relevant uh to the the Gentile Christians understand, like, how do we live this Christianity out as Gentiles, right? And so we see that in uh, Ephesians and, and so on. The other thing is that they were a loving church. They were a learning church, and they were a loving church. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship. That word is for fellowship is quonania, and it means uh, it's sharing. There was this sharing together with one another. It was it wasn't merely just having snacks together, you know, a fellowship time, a hangout time. Uh, it was it was this deep fellowship, this connection that they had, and they shared they shared several commonalities. One of them, first of all, that brought them together was the, was the common faith in Jesus Christ. They believed the gospel. And I love how the gospel unites us across our different differences. I mean, I just look out today and I see people from from with different backgrounds and different ethnicities. And it's beautiful how God unites us together with different stages of life, uh, socioeconomic statuses. I mean, God unites a people together for the glory of his name. And we see that we see that in in their love for one another. They were united Colossians 3 uh, I think verse 14 says that love is the bond of perfection you, it bonds us together in in perfect harmony and so they were united they were one they they had this this singleness of purpose and this is what the holy spirit did this was the effect of pentecost the effects of pentecost led the church to be a learning church and to be a loving church. Jesus said that his disciples would be marked by this. In John 13, 34 and 35, he said, A new commandment I give you, that you love one another as I, as I have loved you. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. You see, the badge of discipleship, the mark of a true follower of Jesus Christ is that they have love for one another. And it's a witness to the world, to a lost and a dying world when they see a community, a family of of saints united together in their diversity, united together because of the sake of Jesus Christ. And it's a witness to the world of of the, the truth of the gospel Jesus said that in John 17, he prayed for the unity of the church and he said, father, make them one, make them one so that the world may believe and know that you sent me. Right. And so there's this witness that Jesus calls his people to have even through our unity. We also see generosity. They were radically generous. Uh, they were selling their possessions and belongings distributing the proceeds to all as anyone had need. Isn't that amazing? Now, what does that sound like to you guys? Sound radical? Socialism? Communism? <laughs> yeah, you guys might be thinking, oh, I don't know about that. Uh, we're from America, right? We're not going to do all that stuff. Uh, you know, there is, a, there is a difference between this and communism and socialism. This was voluntarily giving. To those who had, were, it wasn't forced, it wasn't a mandate, okay, if you're gonna be a part of our church, you gotta sell everything you have and just throw it in the pot there and we'll give it out as we, we see fit, right? No, it wasn't like that. By the way, the, the church in Jerusalem, uh, they did this, but we don't necessarily see like other churches, uh, we don't see this as a normative pattern in other churches. Uh, the Bible does is, isn't against having private par- property. And even in acts in, the, in the, at the Church of Jerusalem, they still had homes to meet in, so this wasn 't like exhaustive, like they had completely nothing. Everybody just completely gave up everything. It was as there was as there was a need that arose that they sold what they had. They saw a need within the body. it was a loving thing to do to meet that need if If you have more you got an extra house and you got extra you got extra land well, this family doesn 't have anything well you know let 's help them out right. And so on. And so, so generosity. They were, they were characterized by love. They were a loving church. They were unified in that. They were generous. They, they gave. They followed the teachings of Jesus in that they, Jesus said, don't store up treasures here on earth. Right? You send them up. Send them up by being generous to others, giving to others. So they were a learning church. They were a loving church and they were a prayerful church. They devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayers. Jesus called them to pray. He told them to watch and pray. when the Holy Spirit came, they were praying. They were waiting. We see all throughout the book of Acts, the church was a praying church. They were praying and God was moving powerfully. The kingdom of God was spreading through the prayers of his people. If we want to see God's kingdom advance, God's will be done in our lives and in our community and our church and in the world, then we got to pray. As MC Hammer said, you got to pray to make it today. All right, I'm dating myself here. You got to pray to make it today. We must give ourselves to prayer if we want to see a move of God. It's not going to happen by our, our clever plans and our, our, you know, resources that we have, throw more money at it. We need prayer. We need God to do what only He can do in changing lives. And throughout the book of Acts, the kingdom spreads through the prayers of the saints and the proclamation of the gospel. And the Holy Spirit led the saints to live lives of prayer and life, lives of evangelism, proclamation. So they were a prayerful church. And, and then whenever they were being threatened, when times got tough, you know what happened? The prayer just went up. It's like, oh, all right, like fervent prayer, like constant prayer, like when Peter was thrown in 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 jail, like they were, they were, you know, James had been killed, and then now, now Peter, they got Peter, they're going to kill Peter, and so the, the the saints just start praying like crazy, and you know what happened? An angel walks into the jail cell, takes Peter out of there, and then next thing you know, Peter is at the door of the prayer meeting of the saints. And a little, a girl goes to the door and sees Peter there and she shuts the door. She didn't even believe her eyes. Like, you know, they were praying for Peter's deliverance and then, you know, now Peter's here. And she's like, oh my goodness, you know, Peter's here. God answered prayer. God did miraculous things when the people of God prayed. And so may we do the same. May we devote ourselves to prayer because we believe that we have access to the most powerful, loving, wise person in the entire universe you and i can come before him if you if you had access to an earthly person who is the wealthiest wisest loving uh person most powerful person in the world would you use that access if you had a need would you go to that person and say yeah, i really have this need i need some help if you had that connection you would right We have that times a million with God. We can come boldly before his throne of grace to find mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. So they were a prayerful church. May we be prayerful as well. By the way, we do have corporate prayer uh, on Wednesday nights from six to seven. So if you ever wanna pop in, and join us in corporate prayer, praying together for uh, this community, praying for right now we're praying for God to provide a space for us, praying for uh, missionaries that we support, praying for uh, Andrew's a teacher in, in Mesquite. And there's a little girl who has uh, a sickness, cancer, tumor, and we've been praying for a miracle. For She had brain surgery. Thank you, Rainan, for clarifying that. And And so we're praying for a miracle. There's an answer to prayer here this morning of a young man that we were, we were praying for right around when everything happened. And, and, and look at that. God has answered prayer. God has answered prayer. Amen. And so we're going to give ourselves the prayer, especially as times get tough, as the pressure increases, as we're, we're brought to places that we have to trust them. Next, they were a worshipful church. Verse 46, it says, day by day attending the temple together and breaking bread. In their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God, having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their numbers day by day, those who were being saved. So they were a worshipful church. They were filled with praise. God got a hold of their hearts. Jesus said, out of the, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Whatever's here is going to come out an overflow what comes out of here is an overflow from your from your heart and if god your, your treasure and your delight and you love him there's going to be an overflow that comes out of your heart in talking about him i mean just think about anything else in life that you love and you're excited about if we if you get in a, if i get in a conversation with you for 5 or 10 minutes i'm probably going to hear something about that if i ask you any questions right And, and, and so if, if we have our hearts captivated by the love of God, where we, we are sold out to Him, we too are going to have this overflow of praise and worship coming out of our hearts, giving honor to His name. They were people of praise. I skipped over something too. They, you know, in their fellowship, they also had the breaking of bread. So they, they had meals together. These were fellowship meals. They would often eat together. And a part of that would, would be, they would take the Lord's Supper. They would remember Jesus' body broken in his bloodshed. And that's an act of worship as well. But there's something about having a meal together with, with people. Jesus, in, in Revelation 3, it talks, Jesus says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll, I'll, I'll sup with him. I'll, I'll have dinner. I'll dine with them, right? And so there's this intimacy, there's this knowing, uh this relational aspect of having a meal with somebody. And the early church were they were devoted to that. They would have they would eat together often and they would celebrate the, the, the Lord's Supper. They would remember as Jesus said, this is my body broken for you. This is my blood shed for you. They were committed to remembering that. So I guess you could say they were gospel centered. They were centered on the good news of Jesus Christ. They were a worshipful church. Notice the joy that they had in verse forty-six. They had glad and generous hearts. There was this joyfulness about them. They were a happy people, and there was this awe that they had upon them. Uh, verse forty-three: awe came upon every soul. So reverence in awe and joyfulness seem to be at odds with one another. And some churches tend to be more reverent and quiet and reflective. And others tend to be more happy, clappy, joyful, like, yeah, come on, everybody. And sometimes it's, sometimes it's too much. Sometimes that can be like, like slow down. Let's like, let's really think about what we're saying here. Uh, and then on the other side, you know, the reverent all churches, sometimes they, they, it can feel like, is anybody alive here? It, it can feel so solemn and, and, and reverent and, and lacking fervency and energy and excitement uh, uh, about Jesus. And, and the Bible calls us to have both in our worship. Reverence and rejoicing. Okay, Not just one or the other. And We want to be a church that embraces both. We want to express joyfully our praise and adoration of God and not be held back by uh, self-consciousness. and like, oh, well, what are they thinking about me when I lift my hands, right? Or, uh, you know, Ke- Kevin read this morning, was it Psalm 95, 96, sing joyfully. There, there's this call to worship God with exuberance and joyfulness. God gets glory from that. Yet, there's this call to awe and reverence, to worship God and kneeling before him and reverence in awe as you ponder His greatness. Psalm uh, uh, Psalm chapter two, verse eleven, is an example of combining those two. The psalmist says, "Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling." Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. So it's fitting for us as well to have in our worship joyfulness, gladness, happiness just flowing from us, but also all at the power of God. Some of us need to have our hearts captured afresh with a, a fresh sense of all and who God is. New Testament scholar uh, D.A. Carson says this, speaking of uh, Acts 2, verse 11, The church needs to learn afresh the compelling power of inhibited praise, even as a kind of indirect witness to unbelievers who are looking on. The church needs to learn afresh the compelling power of uninhibited praise, even as a kind of indirect witness to unbelievers who are looking on. So in Acts 2, the, the scene we looked at, looked at last week they were they were magnifying god they were they were with tongues speaking the mighty works of god they and and it was directed towards god it was It was praise to who God is. It was a a magnifying of who God is. And while it was directed towards God, they were seeking God in prayer and praising him with these tongues after the Holy Spirit came upon him. The outsiders heard those things and they were a witness to those outsiders. I, I think worship and witness are closely connected together. Okay? Out of the same heart, that praise and worship and adoration flows out of, it's the same heart that speaking about God to people, the same heart that is captivated with awe and wonder and delight in God, singing praises to him also overflows with proclamation about him. They were an evangelistic church. Verse uh, 47, the second half, it says that the Lord added to their number day by day, Those who are being saved. People were coming to faith. This was a healthy church that was growing. They had learned the basics. And they learned to practice the basics really well. By the way, the Patriots are in the Super Bowl next Sunday. And one of the reasons why is because they've learned the basics really well. And they just keep going over and over the basics really well. Okay? And, and as Christians, if we want to be healthy and thrive and flourish, we need to know the basics and we need to just keep going over them over and over. And if you've been a Christian for 20, 30, 40 years, you never grow out of your need to apply and use the basics in your life. You keep using those same, those same muscles, spiritual muscles to seek God in his word, to give yourself to prayer, to be connected in community, a loving community. By the way, we have community groups here that meet in homes. This is a great application uh, for, for this. Uh, we have community groups that meet together in homes. Many of our groups share a meal together, and then we get in the word together, we pray together, we worship together. We also have Wednesday night Bible study. So if you want to devote yourself to the Word of God in a deeper way, you can come here on Wednesday night and have fellowship around the Word of God here on Wednesday night. And it's a, it's a great time to, to get into the Word. And if you got questions you need to ask about the Scripture, you can come bring those questions. We're studying the book of Genesis right here on Wednesday night. But they were an evangelistic church. They gave themselves to being witnesses. As I said a couple weeks ago, that the key verse in the book of Acts is Acts 1-8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so you can see through that verse, the whole book of Acts. You can see the church being a witness in Jerusalem, in Judea. They're being a witness in Samaria. Well, we we see the, the gospel movement go from Jerusalem to Rome uh, in the book of Acts. And notice in this verse, in verse 47, the Lord who added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Notice that. Now the implication is that they were telling people about Jesus. They were being witnesses. They were living these lives uh, devoted to God. And surely they were having these conversations. They met in the temple and they met house to house. Uh, Again, a good argument for community groups. So they met publicly and then they met privately. But they were engaging in in conversations. It says over and over in a couple different places in Acts that the word of God was spreading. The word of God in Acts chapter 6. The word of God spread and then the number of disciples increased and multiplied right so that's what happens when the word of god spreads people come to faith and and in this verse luke points out that it was the lord who added to their number daily those who were being saved luke sees the sovereignty of god in salvation god is the author of salvation he saves people he rescues them not the preacher not not peter not paul not not a pastor or missionary. It's God who saves people. We are the messengers. We, we're, the, we're the mailman. We're the UPS, the Amazon delivery folks. We just bring the message. Like preachers are to bring what God says, whether it's favorable or not. And so it was God who saved people. It was God who rescued people. and we That can take some of the pressure off of us in our outreach and in our evangelism. It's not your responsibility to save anybody, to make somebody born again, to change their heart, to open their eyes so that they can see what's true and right. We can't do that. The Holy Spirit can. And you know what? He does. When we open up our mouth and we talk about Jesus, we proclaim the word God by his spirit and with his word, he quickens a heart, a dead person, and he makes them alive. Faith arises within a person when they hear the word of God and the Holy Spirit quickens their heart. They come alive spiritually. We're saved by grace through faith. We were dead in our sins and God raised us up. This is the work of God. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Amen. And, and we want, we want to see that go to all peoples. We want, we want all people to be saved. We want to see many people come to repentance, come to faith. And so we proclaim the message in confidence that God is going to save some people. Amen. Um, just point out, they had favor, verse 47, the first, part, first half, they had favor with all people. Uh, this echoes and, and parallels with what, was, what Luke wrote about Jesus in Luke chapter 2, verse 52, that Jesus grew in wisdom and stature, and he found favor with God and with man. See, Jesus had favor with the Father, and he had favor with people. And here we see the church... In its infancy stages, growing, growing in Christ's likeness. They they had favor with God. They found favor with people. They had the smile of God towards their life. And God was adding to their number, those who were being saved. Let me just highlight here too, just our, our values here at City Church and see if you can see these within this text. Biblical integrity. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching. Like here at City Church... We are committed to preaching the word of God and handling it in a way that honors him, not just having our hobby horses and our our opinions and and then using the scripture to kind of back up our opinions. Right. We let the word of God shape our our opinions, how we think, how we believe and how we live. And so we're just going to preach through the Bible. We're going to say what the Bible says. We're going to emphasize what the Bible emphasizes. Now we still have our opinions and we still have our leanings and the things that we tend towards. But you know what? If our if those don't fit in with what the Bible emphasizes, then we need to adjust those. And we need to just let the Bible say what the Bible says, whether we agree with it or not. If we don't agree with it, we need we need to change. We need to have our minds renewed or repent. The the word repentance means change your mind. Authentic worship. We here value authentic worship. We want to be true worshipers who worship in spirit and in truth. We want to be sincere and real in what we say about God and, and who we perceive God to be. We want to have an accurate view of who he is, and we want to be authentic. We want to worship him from the inside out, not just have a form of worship externally. We don't want to be those who just draw near with their lips, but their hearts are far from God. Loving community. We're committed to that here. Our vision statement is to know Jesus, love people, and impact your world. We're committed to living in a loving community. One of the greatest compliments that we've received as a church is that um, that we're like a family here. It's been said, you guys are just like a family here. I love that. We are a family. We're church family. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen? Amen. Faithful prayer. We, we value faithful prayer because God has ordained that through prayer his will be accomplished on earth as it is in heaven. Missional living. We are committed to living lives on mission for God, to be about his mission, to proclaim the gospel, to make disciples. Unified diversity. We're united. We're united in the essentials of the scripture. We're, 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 we're going we're gonna to major on the majors of scripture, namely the gospel. Loving others, loving God, loving others. And then all the secondary things, we're going to give some liberty to have some differing views on secondary issues. And then joyful generosity. You see all of these in the early church. They were a healthy church. Remember that a healthy church is made up of healthy individuals and healthy families. So if, if City Church Garland is going to be a healthy church, uh, having characteristics of a healthy church, then that means you, you have to be a healthy part of the body, a healthy member, leading your your family in health, loving and and teaching and guiding and and, um, being faithful in your family, living out your own Christianity. In application, uh, I want to encourage you to commit to reading your Bible daily. Sermon, podcast, uh, audio Bible, Bible reading plan. If you're interested in reading through the Bible in a year, you need a plan. We have some Bible reading plans right back. We have back there. You can grab one and a Bible reading plan, and you can join us. And if you want to get in some dialogue about the Bible, daily Bible reading, uh, I can let me know and I'll invite you to join our U version discussion. and And you can stay connected with those who are doing that here. Uh, and have discussion about each, each day in the reading plan. And, and if you're intimidated by doing a Bible reading plan, I want to encourage you to like, just do the audio. Just listen to it while you're driving in your car to work or while you're getting breakfast or while you're doing chores around the house. Like, listen to it. Let your kids listen to it with you. Um, I was just the other night, I was riding Friday night with, with my, with my kids and I was listening to, to, to Genesis and, Uh, my son Carson asked me a question. Uh, I forgot what it was. It was about Esau and Jacob. And he had this question about Esau and Jacob. And I was like, yeah, he's listening. I'm going to, I'm going to play this more. Right. And then participate in a community group or a Wednesday night. If you're not connected to a, to a small group, I encourage you to do so. Wednesday night can count for that. Uh, but we have, we have some groups that meet and we'd love for you to be a part of that. And then lastly, you know, come join prayer on, on Wednesday night from six to, six to seven. And that's not the only place you can, you, you can pray. We can get, we can get together and pray and uh, with smaller groups of two and three. Uh, we can pray over the phone together. When there's a need, uh, we can pray for one another and see God answer prayer. Amen. Uh, let's pray. Lord, as we look at these characteristics of a healthy church, I pray that we, that we would reflect those, that we would grow in these characteristics, that we would be people of the word, people who are filled with your spirit, people who are committed to one another lovingly, people who are worshipful and prayerful and who are missional. May we give ourselves to your will, to your kingdom. You know, I've been talking about living out the Christian life, devoted Christian life from the book of Acts. And perhaps there's somebody here who hasn't taken that initial step of devoting your life to Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And if you don't take that initial step to surrendering your life to him, accepting him as your lord and savior and submitting to him as your lord and savior then all these other things aren't going to make much sense to you and aren't going to be easy at all for you they're not easy following jesus is not easy at all but it starts with with initially receiving what he's done for you he died on the cross for your sins he was buried. He was crucified. He was raised from the dead on the third day so that you can have life. And sometimes people think, I'm just going to start doing these things for God because I love God. But but you need first to receive his love for you. If you're going to respond and love to him, right? If you, if you don't have a $100, you can't give it away. And so the Bible says we love God because he first loved us. And we gotta receive that. We gotta receive His love for us. Jesus displayed the love of God for us by being crucified for us. And it's that, it's when we receive that, it's that which sets our hearts ablaze with passion, with fervency to devote our lives to following Him. That's gotta be underneath your devotion. It can't just be an external devotion that you're just going to try to make yourself better externally. you got to have that heart connection, that relationship with Christ. And if you're here today and you don't have that and you want that, you want to step into that, raise your hand. I want to pray with you. I want to explain to you a little bit more about how you can do that. Or if you're here today and you have that or you've had that, it's just... You've really been struggling and you've really strayed from your relationship with God and you want to come back to Him. Would you just raise your hand and let us know. We'll we'll come, come to where you're at and pray for you as Kevin leads us in this song. Now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, may He equip you With everything good, that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen.